Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 15 of Four J's in a Comic. The government may be shut down, but we're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, some people actually work for a living. That's right. Even though we don't really make a living off of it. Even Someday, though. maybe. <laughs> That's It's the dream. Maybe once the government gets like up and going again, we can get some kind of subsidy. Or there you right. go. Podcast subsidies. There I'd sign go. that bill. Yeah. <laughs> Tonight, we are going to be talking about... A very well-received graphic novel by a lot of people, just not by most in this room. <laughs> With me, as always, is JP and Joe from the newly relaunched Pandamanga.com. Hey, everybody. Not Hello. relaunched, but repurposed, I guess. Yes. Yeah. If those of you, If you guys haven't checked out our podcast, go over to podcast.pandamanga.com. We talk now exclusively pretty much exclusively about indie comics so self-published small press comics you would find at conventions like the alternative press expo or web comics and and the like and then also comic book subjects whether it be about collecting or creating digging in deep with that kind of stuff i'm gonna have a new podcast host marcus clausen of mallow of mallow man fame yeah oh nice he's gonna be a regular he is the he is a co-host now yeah he's a really good guy lots of good insight and lots of connections we're going to get so many cool people on the podcast because of him. Wow, nice. It's ridiculous. And it's not even why I wanted him to do it. I just like the guy. And yeah, he's cool. He has a silky, smooth, sexy voice, which is important for podcasts. <laughs> and if you like hearing this silky, smooth, sexy voice, I've been on there a lot more than Yeah, than yeah, absolutely. But yeah, so we're, we're totally changing over to mostly exclusively comics. We kind of jumped around a bunch because we didn't really know what we were doing when we first started, but... You know, the download numbers are clear that people care about the comic books and they don't really care about the zombies or the video games or the And, and we give the people stuff. what they want. And they give the people what they want. Right. That being said, do we want to do a Pokemon special? The new... <laughs> oh, my God. Or Until my Pokemon pony? is not the same exact game with a new skin? No. N-O, no. Guess where I'll be at 9 o'clock on Saturday morning, standing in line at GameStop with Taylor for Pokemon X. Oh, dear. I don't know. When Pokemon seriously needs to like a renaissance, it's like I, I, until I can like take control of the Pokemon and press X to Pikachu, <laughs> then I will I will not play it. I won't play it. I, I'm so tired of. I don't care how good it looks. If the Pokemon comes up and you press a button and then one Pokemon shakes and then the other Pokemon shakes and it goes, it's super effective. I'm done. I'm done. I play. That is like Battle Combat from the giant Game Boy handheld. I remember playing this game. In black and white, on the giant, ridiculously oversized Game Boy handheld that you had to like get in just the right light to be able to see. Justin, and it and hasn't I remember, changed since that. Justin, I remember when those first came out, and that was like the apex of technology. Oh my God, are you kidding me? <laughs> I had a Sega handheld that I spent way too oh, much. The, the money. Game Gear. I that was the Game Gear was yeah was backlit. I bought it was that beautiful a long time ago, Dude, and there were, were like amazing. seven games for it, yeah. and it was it awesome. had like fifteen minutes of battery life, <laughs> <laughs> but I could play Sonic. And yeah, it was, it yes. looked really good. Yeah, it does. It, so. Sometimes I pull out my PlayStation Vita and my face just melts at what you can do in your hands now. Like just the, <laughs> <laughs> wait, dial that uh. back. Sometimes I pull out my PlayStation Vita and I'm amazed at the console like quality. I've never had, I've never heard it called Pull it out and your face melts. <laughs> pull out my Vita. My Vel Vita. <laughs> 
Dude, I bought a Vita because uh, Kmart was closing. Like, how bad is it when Kmart's closing? That's <laughs> right? not good. It's, how yeah. bad is how the bad, economy well, when how bad Kmart is it? Is the government closing. is closing. Yeah, well, the government should. <laughs> Kmart, the government. Well, as, as long as, as 7 Eleven's still yeah. around, I'll be good. McDonald's there, stay open. Is there a difference? <laughs> so the Vita was on. I got the whatever the the standard. A stupid you know, good deal on the Vita. Yeah, like, I got a ridiculously good deal. I got 40% off basically on the thing oh, or something awesome. like that. I'm like, oh, I'll, I'll get it because you've been raving about it. And I took it home and I, I played with it a little bit, man, but I just. It hurts my hands to play for too long, yeah. which is really odd. I think it's just positioning of the hands. Could be. And I have so many good games on my PC that I'm kind of distracted by that I haven't really spent too much time fiddling with it. But you know who loves that thing? Zachary. Zachary loves it. Well, have you heard about the Vita Home? No. It's basically like a Vita Roku. It is a stationary size of the deck of cards, plugs in, has like an expansion bay and that kind of stuff. But essentially it is a Vita specifically to plug into your TV. Oh, really? And you can play Vita cartridges on it. I mean, certain games will be aced out because they have too much touch stuff on them. Mm -hmm. But uh, you'll be able to do that. But it'll also do the remote play on the PlayStation 4 when it comes out. And that's why I bought it because I'm planning on buying a PS4, I think. Well, the idea with this is that you got your PlayStation 4 in the living room and then you've got your little Vita home in your room and then... You just stream it in, or you take it with you Ooh. somewhere and you stream it. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, back to comics. Yeah. Well, I think the next big thing for <laughs> yeah. me, just before we mm-hmm. transition back to comics, is Steam announced the Steam OS and Steam Box and all that. Yeah. So excited! And did you sign up for the beta? Yeah, I did. Yeah, 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 yeah I signed did. up for the beta, and uh, it doesn't matter because I'll, I'll. I think at some point you'll be able to just build your own system and throw Steam OS on it. Yeah. And then you know, so and I, I have a an HTPC sitting out in the living room, and you know, I started playing with with uh, the bigger picture or big picture, which Looks is good, there. right? It's phenomenal. Nice. It's phenomenal. Smooth. Yeah. And so now I'm thinking to myself, okay, I have a decent computer in the living room. I want to upgrade the graphics card a little sure, bit, sure, sure. and then yeah, I'm going to move and sit down on the couch and play some of these games. Yeah. So anyway, I'd love I, to sit down and talk with you after the podcast sometime about them wanting to make it Linux based. I've been in IT for 15 years. I've spent less than 10 hours with Linux. Because I've always been in Windows environments and stuff like that. But a good friend of mine is a Linux guru. And he actually works for, God, I want to say he works for Ubuntu now. Wow. He does like cloud-based Linux-related stuff. He's in Japan right now. He's nice. a really good friend of mine. He, he started, he was one of the, the first employees at Friendster when Friendster was huge. Wow. He built all their Linux environment servers, which was, you know, like awesome. the first 300 servers or something like that. I think it's phenomenal. I think it's great because Linux is open source. The whole thing is open source, even to the controller, which they've described as totally hackable. Yeah, it's so pretty amazing. I, I just, think it's going to revolutionize. That, that until companies really start supporting Linux a lot more, because there's a lot of games that work for Linux, but nothing like the number of games that work for Windows. And that's kind of my concern. Well, but maybe I just don't understand. It's because it. of install base. Anyway, anyway, so <laughs> still more games that work for Linux than work for Mac. Yeah. This is why it's. This is why we're having to be like nothing but comics on the Geek Life yeah. podcast because it's we're such gamers. Yeah. It's so easy for us to drift into that. Well, they're very parallel yeah. in terms of the people who play them and sort of the subject matter and things. Dude, like we that, need to get so. you on Geeks with Wives sometime. Okay. Yeah, those guys are awesome. We met them recently. Yeah, anyway, yeah. anyway, back to comic books. Yay. This isn't four J's and a controller. It's four J's <laughs> and a comic. Sorry, everybody. We dra- We digress. There's probably a lot of them out there going, wait, 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 now what are they talking about? They never told me. Yeah, yeah, John, when we came into the shop today, John actually said that some of you listeners out there have come into the shop and shared how much you enjoy the podcast, and we just want to say thank you for listening. We love you, too. That's awesome. Really, I know that in... In the world of media, there is a silent majority that just listens to it or reads it or plays it or whatever the media is and then goes on their merry way. Those of you that do take the time and energy 
arguably the small amount of time and energy that it takes to actually reach out and say, hey, thanks, or this was cool, or leave a comment on the site, or mention it when you're in the shop or something like that, that is the wind in our sails that keeps us going. Because sometimes it's like, does anybody care when you're doing this kind of stuff? And it's so nice, like really so nice to know that people appreciate what we do. So tell us, tell us what you think, mm-hmm. comment on us, complain, whatever, interaction is good. It really means a lot to us, you guys. Don't yeah. complain. Don't complain. Don't complain. It's, it's the internet. They'll complain. <laughs> Don't complain. Yeah, but you know, it's 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 our comment system. We can Billy did. <laughs> that I don't know. Anyway, we complain enough up here. And just in case <laughs> you didn't know or couldn't recognize my sexy, smooth, silky voice, I'm Justin from AskMetalhead.com, who's also got an, a a bit of a revamp to his podcast. Oh yeah, you lost your uh, uh, lost yeah most recently. Uh, one of our hosts. His employer merged with another company or something, and I just got an email from him saying, dude, I'm going to be working until like 8 o'clock every night. There's no way I can kind of continue to keep a schedule, and it was a bummer. So uh, I'm kind of currently looking for another adult host that's a metalhead that wants to come and talk. And if you like hearing my sexy voice, I'll probably be on there for a couple episodes. Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk, I think. We all like your sexy voice. I think episode 20. Me and my Vita love your sexy voice. (laughs) It just makes his face melt. Episode 20 is is John. John, I'm going to have you on for that episode. We're going to talk about Motley Crue. Yeah, Justin and I talking, we discovered that Motley Crue was both of our gateway drugs into metal. metal. Really? Yeah. yeah, Molly Crew for some reason got me into. That's one of like the big things for me. I think mine was probably well, I don't know, Gateway would be like rock and roll and then into metal or just metal. Well, yeah, I, I think I had a conversation in one of the very very early podcasts about actually it was podcast number 1 was me talking to my kids about how they got into metal. And I've always sort of been adamant that you shouldn't make fun of people for the type of music they listen to because mm-hmm. it I think People listen to music for for different reasons, and for the most part, it's what resonates for you, right? Yeah. I don't think you have a choice what you like. And it's definitely I think there not about influence. where you start. No, because you, know, you grow and change over the years with your interests, right? But what you know, the big the band that got both of my kids into metal was Lincoln Park, which was, is arguably not a metal band, but they are heavy. They're hard rock. They're they are kind of metal. So I don't make. You know, and people say, "Oh, I love Lincoln Park. Cool, man. Good for you." I'll remember it forever. Like it was just yesterday. I grew up. Listening to classic rock with my dad. My dad used to be uh, a serious musician, like signed and everything until one of the guys in the band, his wife was like, you're not doing this for a living. And the band fell apart. Oh. But we like they, they opened discussion too. But they mean, like we're talking like they opened for Three Dog Night, like they wow. did well. <laughs> and uh, anyway, and so I grew up listening to Boston, yes, oh, yeah. Emerson, Lake, and Palmer, all that. And and so I was listening to yes a lot. And I was like, Dad, is there anything like a little harder? And he's like, Yes, there is. And we went down to Tower Records, and I came home with Injustice for All, and that's when it all started. That's a big jump. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you know, my dad had you know he was a musician. He appreciated it. That's what, pretty cool. What man. yes era was it? Was it Owner of a Lonely Union Heart Union is what I was or, listening to. Mostly. Union, okay, so more of the prog, when mm-hmm. they got back to the prog stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, oh, so good. So good. It's so good. That's a, I mean, that's a great era for music because that's the yeah. stuff that I grew up on. My mom listened to rock and roll. So when I was a kid, it was Jefferson Starship and Skinner and Zeppelin mm-hmm. and whatever was on rock radio at the time, mm-hmm. which was far richer than it is today. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's essentially what's on rock radio now. Oh, well, yeah, there that's is no true. Radio. That's yeah, true. It really is. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing on. I mean, there's no. There's no real metal radio stations unless you listen to like Sirius or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, so looking forward to having you on the show <laughs> for episode twenty. 
So, so what's the comic we're talking about today, John? Okay, now that we're <laughs> about 20 minutes in. and Oh, only 12? <laughs> okay, 13. The comic we are going to be talking about today is DC Comics The New Frontier, written, drawn, and pretty much everything by Darwin Cook. Before he got into comics, he was actually the storyboard artist for a couple of things you might have heard of, like Batman the Animated Series and Superman the Animated Series. That explains and, a great oh, deal yeah. about the art style. And then he was the, the lead designer for Batman Beyond, which I know has a certain soft part in JP's heart. And oh, yeah. That's a good one. That era of the DC Animated Universe is a big reason why I maintain interest in comic books because it's so excellent i just keep thinking batman beyond thunderdome (laughs) two men enter one man leaves two batman i hated that series when it first came out but rewatching it you know down the road it is so great you know i watched the first maybe three episodes of it when it came out and i was a huge fan of batman the animated series which was so dark and very kind of i don't know 30s 20s 30s sort of Mm -hmm. feel and anyway so out comes Batman Beyond and uh, the Brian, my friend Brian, is like, hey, this is a great show. You should check it out. And so I watched the first couple episodes. And I'm kind of like, eh, this is not for me. But then I go back years later. This is maybe a couple months ago. And I'm watching the Justice League. And I get into the second season of Justice League Unlimited or the first season of Justice League Unlimited. And it's supposed to end. And it actually ended up starting up and continuing on. But what was supposed to be the end, they did like this epilogue that tied together some of the characters from the... Justice League yeah. stuff and a much older Terry yeah. from Batman the Anim- or Batman Beyond and brought things full circle and it was just such a cool like whoa kind of a lot episode. of a lot of DC animated nerds squealed over oh that yeah right <laughs> and so then after that I have not even touched the next like season two of Justice League I've been watching Batman Beyond like exclusively hmm. cartoon wise it's just it gobbled me up but somehow that last episode of the first season of Justice League Unlimited, which is the second show. How, how complicated it is. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, after after that sort of introduction and I guess really kind of bookend on Batman Beyond, I all of a sudden became interested in Batman. Hmm. Also, the movie. You were mentioning the movie to me, the one with the Return jo- of the Joker. Yeah, Return of the Joker. is so good. Make sure you don't watch the censored one. Watch the uncut one. Mm-hmm. Definitely. <laughs> you can't censor the Joker! <laughs> <laughs> How can well, you censor the Joker? Is like there's nothing PC he does at all ever. Yeah, was, if, you, if you censored the Joker, you're just cutting his nuts off. You might as well not have him on there. I don't know. There, there was a point I think in the late '80s, and that anything before that, Joker was actually kind of PC. Like he just had silly traps and tricks, and he wasn't a very serious villain. But at some point in the '90s, then he got to be like the murdering psycho. And just it kind of went, yeah, totally yeah. twisted. My favorite part about the Joker is how he's so intelligent. Also, mm-hmm. like scary intelligent. If you've read the, I think it was re, uh, the Red Hood and the. It was a recent under the Red Hood. No, no, it was a, it was some comic that came out with the New Fifty Two. I know it's like Red Hood and a group of guys. What's it called? Red oh. Hood and the Outlaws. Red Hood That's and right. the Outlaws. I gave you the uh, issue the zero, zero of, that. of Red Hood and the Outlaws. Isn't brings that things nuts? full circle in such a way that basically the entire genesis of was it Todd? Jason uh, Todd. Jason, Jason Todd. Todd. Yeah. The entire genesis of Jason Todd from like being a street, street rat to. Robin. All the to Robin, and then all the way to becoming the Red Hood, except for actually 
coming back from dying, but his whole, like, from being a little kid all the way to his death was all orchestrated by the Joker. Every step. Like, scary. I'll have to check that out. Dude, it's so good. Mm, Yeah. Like, when Jason Todd's mom dies and overdoses, Joker arranged that. When he gets hurt and hooks up with the uh, the woman who happens to know Batman and gets him connected with Batman, That's Joker arranged that. And all of that was arranged by just, Joker. Just so he could, just be, so he could kill him just so he and could hurt him Batman. Just so he could kill him to be to hurt Batman. Wow. The whole yeah. thing was that's just a so he could, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's why Joker is a mean, mean man. The what is it? The the killing joke is I think probably one of the purest expressions of who Joker is, I think. Mm-hmm. That was the first Batman I ever read. It's <laughs> a good place to start. Yeah. It's, oh, it's like, like oh, 80, oh, this is serious. Yeah. 87, 88. Yeah. Yeah. Freaking badass. Yeah. I had the first, I remember having the first print of that and then having to sell it. But anyway, I digress. So, so the, we New do Frontier. have some Batman in New Frontier. Yes. But it's yes. OG Batman with his like yes. awesome oh, yeah. tiny spiky head things. Let me, let me get back to, to, uh, yeah, yeah. To New Frontier real quick. Um, it won a shitload of awards when it was published. It won the Eisner for Best Limited Series, Best Coloring, Best Publication Design. It also won Harvey Awards for Best Artist, Best Colorist, Best Continuing Series. It's a six-issue yeah, run, six but issue. each issue is like 70-something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know about double size, because double size is like 40 pages. 48, yeah. And these were 60-page books. 64, yeah. yeah. 64 pages in a way. It was like a double giant. Yeah. There was some really great extra art in the back, too. They did some stuff early on. There was one, I think, in book one where there was a great shot of Superman and Batman fighting. Yeah. And it was in screen tones, like really old school, like lined screen tones. And in the back, they did a colored one also. It's yeah. like, oh, it was I supposed to look picture. like a newspaper. So mm-hmm. good. New Frontier was set. It opens up in 1945. And uh, we get to see the end of the losers. The losers were. Because I'd never heard of these guys yeah. before. Well, you you had seen, had you were familiar with the the movie that came out a few years mm-hmm. ago by the name? Basically, it was DC repurposed the name into modern times. Interesting. But anyway, the losers. Oh, I did. Yeah, I think I saw that. I don't remember well, liking no, it or not liking that it. That got or... its own modern comic too. Yeah, it, did it really? Yeah, which it was, was pretty good. Yeah, DC repurposed it. But the losers that we known was basically was three canceled DC war books that they put together to form one kind of war team. It was a. Uh, an Air Force pilot, um, Flying Cloud, who was Indian, Gunner and Sarge, who were two Army people, and then the Skipper, who was a Navy lieutenant, lost his leg and eye, so he kind of looked piratish. <laughs> the millionaire <laughs> and his wife. And they are tasked to recover a scientist on this island, and it turns out the island is filled with dinosaurs and stuff, which was also repurposed from a DC book called The War That Time Forgot. So we kind of see their last mission, and it's... About 30 pages of cool army people versus dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was a lot of this that I wasn't really happy with, but that first bit yeah. was awesome. By far the best part of the Can I just say Cloud, probably the best death ever? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, literally the best death and ever. And it really bummed me out. Of the New Frontier, in 2008, DC put out a direct-to-DVD direct video adaptation of the book. That was cut out. No, that really, really mm-hmm. bummed me out. Oh, that first bit was yeah, cut out? Yeah, that first bit was yeah. cut out. Oh, arguably some of the best part of everything. I like the story there, yeah. But I thought it was a weird, not knowing that The Losers was a comic series or mm-hmm. anything mm-hmm. like that. I, I thought, that's a weird start. 
you basically killed you killed your heroes. You killed your heroes, and then they kill people left and right in this one. Yeah, yeah. But on doing that, they're able to rescue Rick Flag, who, who's kind of an ass, just yeah. a little bit. Who also had a comic throughout the fifties called was the Suicide Squad, which has now been repurposed into a new DC fifty two title. Mm-hmm. But they've was, done it a couple of times. Yeah, though, right? yeah, yeah. What was cool for me was when I was a little little kid, I would always get my cousin's comics, you know, that he had. And he was into war comics. So I remember reading the early Losers Adventure and Unknown Soldiers and stuff like that. And I think that's kind of what imprinted on me for for comics, you know. So and the DC War comics were actually a lot better than most of their superhero titles at that time. Hmm. <laughs> There's a bit of nostalgia and romanticism here. I can see that. So I can see how that Th- this book know, this whole series relies pretty heavily on relatively in-depth knowledge of these characters. There's entire chunks of the story where it's just a bunch of people that, unless you knew who they looked like, what they looked like and what their names were, secret identity-wise, you'd have no clue what was happening or who they mm-hmm. were or why they were significant. Yeah, when Justin came in, he was like, yeah, it took me to book four to realize Justin not have read comics for a while, you know. It took me to book four to realize that Hal Jordan was going to be Green Lantern. Yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Literally when he put the ring on. Hello. You were like, oh. And then even... I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I do love the story of, it's Sarge, right? Because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm confused yeah. about the names. Sort of, you know, at, towards the middle there where he sort of like, I washed you out on purpose. To like, oh, for, for Colonel Flag. Yeah, yeah, Flag, Flag. That's the same guy, right? That was in the in the beginning. Yeah, that was the guy that was saved from the cloud. Okay, that's yeah. I'm just making sure. This was an incredibly confusing read to me, and while I liked bits and pieces of it, the whole time I felt like the sense I had was you're not getting it. There's something you're missing. Something, and I think it's because I don't know the non, you know, I don't know the characters well enough, and that's okay because there is some really cool stuff in here. But at the same time, a lot of it was over my head. Well, you know, the Mm -hmm. characters. In their superhero costumes, flying around and or running around or whatever, fighting, doing the things that are iconic for them, you could probably pick out most of the people that were in this book. But at the same time, a lot of it relied on you knowing a lot about their backstory and a lot about the other things and auxiliary stuff in their lives and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And it's not spoon fed to you. It's kind of expected for you to know. So I'll hold my questions as you talk and I'll no, ask no, questions I mean, about three things because I don't want to get too far that, ahead that's of us, what I, That's what I found interesting when we were kind of, before we came up here, just, you know, I asked, how, how do you like it? And everyone was like, we didn't <laughs> We didn't really it, like it. You know, it, and right. I was like, wow. Because, I mean, to me, it's like one of my top five. And like you said, it was covered in awards. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I can see the, how the art won the awards because it is pretty damn good. Well, you know, I'm, I'm telling you, I was so thankful that I had watched so much Justice League and DC Animated Universe stuff because I would have been really lost if I didn't know who all these guys were and recognize mm-hmm. some of these names, you know, and I just picked them up from watching watching the show because mm-hmm. you know, I hadn't really ever taken much of an interest into DC until relatively recently. But I was so thankful that I had gone through and checked all that stuff out because, man, otherwise, I don't know if I would have really gotten much of this, really. It always seems like they make a really big deal about Lois Lane. Why? That's Superman's girlfriend. So why Lois Lane? Yeah. Because she's iconic. She's been the girlfriend of Superman since comics started. Okay, I didn't so know So she would have been... I knew she was yeah. his... Because I've seen the movies yeah. and stuff. Now, was it relatively recently that she figured out that Clark and Superman, same person? Yes. Because it was a long time where it was just Lois yeah, I mean, and it was... Superman, and then she's like this freaking Clark geek. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. 
It was. Didn't they get married in like the nineties? It was like the late, the mid nineties. Yeah, yeah, forty years. Yeah, she was trying to figure that out. More than Tiny, that, like timey, like yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got married right before yeah. her universe got blown out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, so and then it was interesting that she was like hanging out with Bruce though. Well, then mm-hmm. Jimmy Olsen is there. Right. And... I mean, all of the you know the big fictitious DC cities, like all their dudes were like all hanging out at this crazy. That's what really together. confused mm-hmm. me is like you've got. You've got Batman. Superman knows his name is Bruce and knows that he's that he's Bruce Wayne. And Batman's a fugitive. Vigilante. Yeah, that, that he's played, a vigilante. That played all into the McCarthyism era. Mm-hmm. You know, in the in the mid fifties. When was when did this come out though? This came out in two thousand four. That's what I thought. But, right, so but it's, it's kind of digging into the twenties. Yeah, right? yeah, it's set history starting in nineteen forty five. Oh, sorry, which is super smart. To nineteen sixty. Sorry, my bad. Right. Where the last last scene of the last issue is. John Kennedy doing his new generation speech. Oh, okay. And that's that's where it got the um the title from. But uh what I really liked that Darwin Cook did was in his timeline, the characters when they debuted is when they debuted. So it didn't like try to move Superman. You know, he debuted in 1939, Batman deb- debuted in 1940, so they'd been doing that all along. Mm-hmm. You know, when uh, Martian Manhunter shows up in 53, that's when he showed that up in the comics. That was awesome, by the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Who? Did he actually spend some time as John Jones? And yeah. He has a pl- I need to read that. Yeah. I mean, that and so in the amazing. 50s, it was basically like... So the Martian that comes down who's a shapeshifter and right. becomes a police officer, mm-hmm. that's the yeah. Martian Manhunter. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he's his own character. He's his own yeah. character. Okay. Why does it, do I get the impression that Wonder Woman and Superman are, are, are boyfriend and girlfriend? Well, because they argued like that when they were yeah. over... Was it was it Vietnam? No. Vietnam, where were, yeah. yeah. Well, they were... I mean, just it's it's more the respect. Okay, so and, they're just yeah, they're just. Super, it reminded me of they're just that super date in Astro City. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You yeah. know, no, and she like has a different perspective. It's very feminist. It's very you know, it's not like this. I have a you know, Superman is always in this Boy Scout big big picture thinking. You know, and. Wonder Woman is great because she's I mean not really similar power level, but kind of really crazy powerful and has similar powers, and. She has a much more passionate, minute by minute, here's how I feel like right now, and I'm going to follow it, kind mm-hmm. of emotional perspective. I can just imagine right now the collective sigh of geek frustration as they listen to me ask stupid questions. No, no, it's so good. I'm going to get that on your podcast when I ask the dumb metal questions. I don't think you will. <laughs> But who knows? I don't know. Maybe how I many strings does a bass have? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> Between four and six, and sometimes eight. Mm-hmm. Though I've seen twelve string bases, but Jesus Christ, it's like a twelve. It's like a two by twelve. The fret. <laughs> Do they get thinner or thicker? thicker. They get thinner. thinner yeah. yeah, from no, the top. Well, they go both ways. Do they? They do. And then the Getty, I can only imagine the Getty how... Lee cool four and twelve string bass that he used to. You know, like the double. Oh yeah, yeah, the double neck, dude. Anyway. No, dude, Justin, it's amazing that like whenever we don't know something, we ask the questions because there are listeners that are in that spot. Well, sure. I don't feel bad about it. Don't feel bad about so it. So if you're all you if you're out there going, oh god, say it to my face. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Um But I mean I think I think that's what it really shows is from a like a different level. Like I expect when I read a comic, everyone reading this comic has almost the same knowledge I do. But mm-hmm. I know that's not the case, mm-hmm. you know. So when I handed this to you, I figured, you know, you'll get and it. You and you, JP and Joe, you know, thinking, okay, this is great. I, they're going to love it. And mm-hmm. you're like, we were lost in the minutia. Yeah. No. And and the stuff in the minutia was actually what made the comic so cool to me. 
There was a lot of little Easter eggy kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. kind of yeah. like when we were doing the Avengers one, yeah. and everyone was lost. Although I enjoyed this more than that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, th- I would say that. I think I did too. I didn't dislike it as much as I. I think I figured out that I just didn't get it as much as I would. I hope felt like it was a lot of work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, yeah. it did. It felt like it was a lot of work. And I, even the way the storytelling was done, even if I had previous knowledge of all the different characters and that challenge was gone, even then, the the way that they took a character story and split it up into a couple page bits and then spread it out through a book was what I would normally call very confident storytelling. But confident storytelling is akin to storytelling that you really have to pay attention to and it expects a lot from the reader. Mm-hmm. and. When I'm already kind of like, now who is this? Yeah. Then they throw mm-hmm. that on top of that where it's like, now you're paying attention and you're trying to figure out who who is in comparison to who. And then on top of that, was this the story about that guy who was a couple pages back, but then there was like a 10-page thing in between this and are we connected? And is this the, mm-hmm. the gentleman that lost his family to the KKK? Is that who's banging on the hammer because they don't show his face and they don't reference it? Is it the same guy? But it it's was, kind of yeah. a similar John palette. Henry, right. Yeah, it's like it, it. they do very good like visual cues. Like the palette for those two mm-hmm. is exactly the same. His, you know, the, there's the burning cross in front of his place and he's down in the grass. And then in the next one, he's hammering away at, a, at you know, building a hammer for himself at a forge. And so it's the same palette. And so that right there is an absolute stroke of brilliance. But for, even that first is... Interrupt, I loved that part of the book about yeah, about right? how race relations in the mid fifties and all that, and then when now, was he a superhero type character? No, this I I'm pretty sure that was introduced directly in here. I yeah. I yeah. I may be completely I, wrong. There was a little Easter egg at the end of book six where it's a little kid reading a comic book in the graveyard, and it has that guy's tombstone behind him. And the little kid's uh, jersey on the back says Irons. Yeah, so it was it's, who later became um, Steel. In, yeah. But I love that, and I really loved how they Wait, played. finish that thought. Who be, later became Steel in what? Steel, uh, he was a Superman supporting character, John okay. Henry Irons. Okay. Yeah. yeah. He was the metal Superman with Big Hammer. Yeah. But I really played by lo- Shaq. Yes. Shaq played him in a movie. <laughs> what? <laughs> Which movie was this? Steel. Steel. <laughs> we need to do a thing where we watch a bad superhero movie and then the four of us or however many record a thing, like a riff track oh, for that bad would be oh, Absolutely. I've fantastic. got the 90s Captain America on DVD. We can get out my like nice I have the mic. 70s one. Oh, which both? Is, yeah, both. Yes. Well, well, what I want to do is I want to watch the really, really old Spider-Man. The one where it's like clearly the camera's on its side and he's like climbing up yeah. the side. You of mean the, the re- 60s Japanese Spider-Man? Was that, there was a 60s That Japanese one's Sp- actually pretty amazing. <laughs> but the 70s show. We need to make a list. Spider-Man. And, 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 and I got this idea when the, Brian, when the Brian was talking about the Generation X TV movie mm-hmm. is on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Is it on YouTube? Now? Yes. Oh, man. It was actually on the Spanish channel the other day. That, that's where that's where you guys were talking about yeah, it. Yeah, and it blew my mind. <laughs> Some of those old shows are great. Weren't you just talking last episode about Shazam and how Billy was this little kid with like this wizard in a van, in, 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 a, in a in a van with no windows and <laughs> super pedoey? Yeah, I don't think we could get away with that in no the two thousand tens versus in the late seventies. <laughs> oh man. 
You couldn't even have what was the TV show that I used to watch when I was a kid? It was a truck driver that had a chimpanzee. BJ and the BJ Man. BJ and the Man. You couldn't even watch the. You couldn't even have BJ and the Man. <laughs> because BJ Peter. Peter would be man. like, you can't have chimpanzees. It was BJ and the Bear. BJ and the Bear. Yeah. The trucker was named BJ, and the, and the chimpanzee was the named bear. bear. Yeah, that's pretty. Amazing. I don't remember anything about it. I remember just very very little bits, but I remember the monkey. I remember played the by the guy who was not who was the other dad. That wasn't Paul Reiser in My Two Dads. Okay. <laughs> oh, I can't think of who that guy is. Greg Evigan is his name. Okay. Back to New Frontier. <laughs> so there's there's some things that I really th- thought were super cool about this. For example, I had no idea Flash was so cool. Flash like he is can a move, boss. He, he can he can you know resonate at certain Dude. things and go through stuff. I thought that was totally the, awesome. The scene in Vegas where he rescues his girlfriend from Captain Cold, I thought mm. was some great story. That was awesome, Dude, yeah. right? Awesome. I but love then, how he comes through and he's like, he's like, I warm her hands up, I get some sugar, right. <laughs> and then right. I go save the day. It's like, yes. And then I go fight the guy that shoots at girls. Well, Flash yeah. could be really good at copping feels. Really good. Yeah, Just could, the Japanese Flash is a sharker. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Hangs out in the subways. All of a sudden there's 30 <laughs> naked women. Maybe because I generally am always the slowest walking person in my group. That was always the superpower I wish I had. <laughs> Super speed. I mean, oh, like literally, yeah. like whenever we're like walking somewhere, Jamie and Taylor are stopping and waiting for me to catch up. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Flash is Flash is amazing. So yeah, he was really cool. I thought that was pretty interesting that he sort of you know learning about him as a character made me more interested in him and stuff like that. Yeah, but they've they, they've done some cool stuff with his powers because you think he can go real fast. That that's it. But there's so much that they've done, especially when it comes to like the vibrating and everything mm-hmm. like that. It's it's insane. I mean, like sometimes he like is phased out, like he's basically invisible, right? I mean, he does that at the end where he's like, yeah. you know, I'm vibrating so fast they can't see me, but I'm there and I'm enjoying the scenery and you know, that okay. was rad. In one of the stories, there's these. There's like four airmen. They're playing crashes, but they all live. That's the Challengers of the Unknown. They were created by Jack Kirby. Before the Fantastic Four, wow. and in, do they end up getting powers of some kind? No, they they were non powered, but as you can see, they were very similar to the Fantastic mm-hmm, Four. Mm-hmm. And Stanley was like, "Oh, I got Jack Kirby here. Let's repurpose this idea for." <laughs> that was a story that I really liked. Yeah, but again, there's these little like stories more, yeah. that yeah, that it got a new Fifty Two title, mm-hmm. short run. But what had happened was after World War Two. After the 40s, the superheroes kind of died out. The only real superheroes from DC that were published continuously were Superman, Batman, and Wonder Woman. And then during the... That was when you were starting to get into a lot of big backlash against comics, right? Yeah, there was the big backlash against comics. So a lot of stuff... Why? What was that about? So there's a book called The Five... The The Ten Cent Cent Plague Plague that you need to read. Okay. It was... Sort of along the lines of the McCarthyism going on against the communists, it was one psychologist's money-selling idea to say that comic books caused juvenile delinquency. Oh, God. And that... What's his name again? His name was Frederick Wortham. I want to get a Frederick Wortham dartboard <laughs> really bad. Like, I'm going to go to one of those websites where you can send in a picture, and I'm going to give that to you for your birthday or something, John. It would be perfection. Toilet paper. He's oh yes. It's even better. Yeah. No. Some it, boxers. I mean, long story short, Justin. Essentially, this guy came out and he's like, "Comics are bad," and based on kind of a bunch of of bogus science. Mm. And 
then perpetuated the myth that comics were really bad and got it to the point where they got kids to collect comic books and do book burnings. And like it's wow, yeah, it was bad. This sounds like the great PMRC Tipper Gore of no, the. No, seriously, after you 80s. read the Ten Cent Plague, you're gonna feel obligated to purchase comics and mm-hmm. support the industry. Seriously, like it's oh. like like this is a right that that a lot of people fought for to be able to have comics be as free as they are now, to have the kind of stuff that we thematically, artistically, the freedom that people have in comics, especially in independent comics these days, is such. A result and enjoying the blood and sweat and tears of the people from that era. It, it basically it makes you feel like a you know. Yeah, it basically destroyed horror comics. The EC comics that were coming out at the time were fantastic. Sixty years later, I could pull one EC of those. as an educational comics. Yeah, or entertaining comics as it later became. It became yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was you pull out those old EC stories, tales from the crypt, awesome. weird science. Sixty years later, yeah. they still hold up. Oh yeah, because they had the best writers and the best artists. And all that. They were the most popular. Yeah. And and they actually did a lot of the time hit on serious social issues. Yeah. A lot of a lot of things about racism and a lot of things about like distress yeah. in the in the home yeah. too. Yeah. A lot. Like a lot of like husbands and or wives killing husbands and or wives. Hmm. Yeah. And but then the comic book code came in and you know, this was kind of like a love letter to fifties comics. Yeah. That, it really that they was did here. We should do an episode about the comics code in that that era. That would be a good yeah, maybe. Um, are there collections and omnibuses of things from that time, or is yeah, a lot I mean, of it lost? I think it'd be fun to pull out some EC stuff. I can give you guys like Tales from the Crypt, dude. And I'm all into horror and awesome. stuff. Yeah, and you know, with it being the Halloween month, yeah, yeah, yeah that we should totally do that. So back to New Frontier. I got a, a question for you guys. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about Marvels. Yeah. Yes. Which was more the '60s, but again, it was. You know, started out in the in the forties with Namor and some Mariner, and it went, and through, went through a lot of different that. characters. Now, did you feel as lost reading that as you did on Actually, this? JB, you had a good point about I was that. Say, I was about to say no, and here's why: because yeah. because of the through line of the reporter of of Phil Sheldon. Mm-hmm. Yes, but we had of, a through line here with basically Hal Jordan. Yeah, but he wasn't yeah, in man. on each characters little section. there was enough things that hal jordan was see so so instead of instead of was it frank what it was phil sheldon so, from marvel right. yeah so instead of like phil sheldon in the marvels where the whole story is basically from his perspective mm-hmm. and he's intricately a part of every issue this hal jordan could be considered the through line but it's not from his perspective, he's not always there, and it's not mm-hmm. always centered around him. It's more like he's there, and it is centered around him a substantial amount, but he also is connected to things that are going on, but not necessarily directly influencing mm-hmm. or bo- influenced or influencing him. Mm-hmm. Even it's oblivious like, to a bunch of it. Right, so some of the things, like the early that early stuff were with the losers, like it, it influences his life later on when he starts working with Flack, yeah. right? But that doesn't really have a lot to do with Hal Jordan, except for kind of consequently who he ends up being around and yeah. what affects his life. It's kind of like and then it's the ripples in the pond, that, you know, that flag and Ace Morgan from the challengers and King Faraday were all in the same squadron with his dad. So they were tasked with, so there's, with, there's with like these, there's out. these slick connections yeah. and by slick, I mean really slick, yeah. but it doesn't have that clear, easy to follow narration. Like Marvels was clear that it's all about Phil Sheldon and his experience being in a world with superheroes mm-hmm. and supervillains and what it's like 
to be a human in that world, what it's like to be a father in that world, what it's like to be weary of that world and all the stages in between. Whereas this, Hal Jordan is definitely a character that is consistent in the through line and things pretty much seem to all be connected to him, but it's, you know, it's, it doesn't seem like, and this is about Hal Jordan. So. I mean, it's, it's interesting because Marvel's was kind of like the same. You oh, know, Marvel. This yeah. reminded me a yeah. lot of Marvel's actually. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm not saying that I didn't like the book. I just thought that it was a lot of work to mm-hmm. read. It okay. took a lot of, it's the kind of thing where it's got you looking stuff up on a wiki. It's got you paying real attention to even just the storytelling style. Yeah. But at and, the end of the day, it was. And I will say, I, I own the absolute version of the book mm. and it has several pages of annotations. Oh, there. see now yeah. that. that but but nice. so did Marvel's as well. Right. So, so art style, what did you guys think? Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. I've always been a fan of the of the early DC animated universe stuff, which is who he with this this guy storyboarded with, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, this is it's it felt so familiar that it was immediately endearing to me because I have so many good memories with this very style. But I also like how instead of it being a direct translation of what you see in the DC animated universe stuff from his previous work, this also had like a really clear homage to the early comics. Yeah. It, and it, I love the it way it said they... in there that, um, that cook based his art style on this, um, Jack Kirby from the squared fingers, muscles and jaws, simple clean lines, the golden age era, age era comics. And then the post deco athletics from the Mike's Max Flesher, Superman cartoons. Sure. And then the modern aesthetics of Batman, the animated series. I would say the only place that it really strayed from that, like, really handsome kind of Kirby look was the uh, the women. Looked much Very, more his style. Yeah. yeah. You know, like, Lois Lane looks like Lois Lane from the super, Superman show. Yeah. Like, really a lot like her. Yeah, I think and he also her, channeled her eyes this... get bugged out and really big yeah. and kind of, car- like, j- like influenced by Japanese comics and cartoons and stuff. And yeah, I think... Yeah, anyway. it, looked like, it looked like this artist, Alex Toth, who was a Golden Age artist back mm. then. How oh, really? Drew. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I get a kick out of the kind of squinty men with the square jaws. Like, that's fun because mm-hmm. at first glance, it's kind of like, well, everybody looks the same and this is kind of silly and where's the emotion and all that. But then you actually sit down and read the comics and it's like this is really good. Like these characters are, you know, individualized. You can recognize them. They have a whole range of emotions from what looks like this kind of stone faced squinty eyed, like kind of guy. What, what I (laughs) getting back to what I liked about the story. And I just, it just dawned on me Mm. was everyone sees the fifties as like being the nostalgia thing. That's when the country was really at its best. And, and all that. That's what people tend to reference whenever they're thinking that we're losing moral character yeah. in the country. It's but, like, it's not the 50s. But like this, in shows like Mad Men, yeah. you know, show that it really wasn't all... There was, you know, it's, undercurrents of racism. There you know, big undercurrents of racism. It's very honest. Yeah. You know, the the women's place, you know, in the pregnant and in the kitchen kind of thing. Yeah. And, yeah. and how we've evolved kind of, you know, from there. Definitely. But it would be cool if everybody went back to wearing suits and fedoras. and. I would not be... Uh, Against that, really, I think a nice three-piece suit with a fedora—that's that's that's boss. That looks good. Nah, <laughs> no. If you could wear anything, what would you wear? What I'm wearing right now? What I'm wearing right now? <laughs> I'm wearing shorts. I'm wearing a Chimera shirt, Slayer shirt, whatever. Metallica. It's actually one of the things that yeah. I Metallica kinda, shoes. I'm wearing my Metallica Converse or uh, Vans. Thanks, my van, my Vans. Sorry. Yeah, I I like to be comfortable and casual, and I don't think I know that this is. This isn't how people think, but I'd rather 
judge you based on your actions than what you look like. Oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. Well, yeah, so, everywhere. I, I just think for me, I no, I do. I love the look of like the, all the Mad Men stuff. Like that is a neat look. Thin tie, narrow yeah, tie. I mean, yeah, except yeah. for the greasy part. Yes, there's that. But the what can do without the greasy hair? Oh. Right? Or like the incredibly slimy loose morals. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I'm a Dapper Dan man. <laughs> but but like that that look of the three piece suit and mm. you know it, like that's really cool. I always wonder to myself. You see like an elderly gentleman who they inevitably have kind of like the elderly gentleman uniform. I have... It's like you know that in their time that wasn't cool. No, <laughs> you know, but but like only once in a while will I see like an elderly gentleman of kind of the same age. Who's wearing like a nice suit? It's kind of like, well, all right then. That's- I have. There's this guy that comes in probably three times a week. He's suffering from dementia's Daughters come in after him, and he and he always tries to sell me a bag of rice for five dollars so he could go buy cigarettes. <laughs> and he comes in in a full-on suit and a fedora and stuff, and he's oh, and he he speaks very little English, you know, like here, buy this, buy this. Very you know, dapper, though. yeah, yeah, but very dapper looking, you know. And <laughs> I just like to think that when I when I get it? older, I'll still still I'll wear clothes that are I won't like go like now I need to have nothing but polyester. Like I don't yeah, know what that is, vests but and like pants. Mm, I feels good on my old wrinkly skin. <laughs> it's like I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> I just like to think that many years from now we'll all have you know gray hair and be old men and still wear what we like. And some of us not... already are getting gray hair. And... I found gray hair in my beard, and then I found more and more. And it's like, when did this happen? <laughs> Have you turned thirty yet? I'm turning thirty in March. That's when, when I, you start that's finding, when I first noticed it. Yeah. When did you start finding gray hair in your ears? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I have to start finding hair in my ears. Exactly. First. <laughs> I don't mind the gray. Whatever. You know, it is what it is. My hair went away, and then it went gray. It's fine. I always thought it'd be awesome to keep my hair exactly as it is and just have it turn gray. Like that'd be freaking you, rad. You, you, you like Silver like, Fox style. You'd you know? look like like uh, Kenny Rogers, man. Oh well. <laughs> I'm start- How about John? John and his luxurious hair. I'm starting to get the Reed Richards going on, though. I find, yeah. Are you getting the wings? <laughs> get the little, yeah. get the little. Yeah, nice. That's nice. cool. That's cool. You should just put those in. <laughs> Bleach them out. Nope. My solar panels for the sex machine came out early, and <laughs> the goatee is, you know, it's going gray, but whatever. Handsome stuff. The the <laughs> I am handsome actually. I'm handsome as hell. Damn straight. Mm-hmm. I have to shave though. Um, I was gonna say the I unfortunately didn't get all the way to the end of these comics because I found it to be kind of a slog to read. Well, through. it's it's they're also very meaty. Like Joseph, yeah. there's 64 pages. Dude, the the one where it's Hal Jordan writing to his little brother while he's in uh, doing the testing, mm-hmm. and it's like these tiny little freaking. Words. Mm-hmm. It's only you know, like all three squeezed together, long. and it's all in hand script. And it's like shit. It took forever to read these three freaking pages. I'm just lazy, I guess. <laughs> For me, I mean, it was really just wrong, being you know? confused about what I was reading and trying to piece it together to figure out what I was missing. I liked a lot of what I read. I mm-hmm. wasn't disappointed by it or the art or any of that. I just think that. I can see why you like it so much yeah. because it's mm-hmm. very rich for somebody who knows these characters, but. You know, I did have an aha moment in book six where, oddly enough, there's these characters that are meeting on the moon and there's a dinner table that looks very much like the scene from Alice in Wonderland where, you know, she's going to see the Mad Mad Hatter Hatter, and Billy Batson is sitting there eating ice cream. And I was like, I know him. (laughs) (laughs) I know Billy, you know, because because we just did we just we just did uh, Shazam. Shazam, So that's kind of where I I I got to. As I learn more about the DC universe, which I'm starting to really 
warm to. I'd like to come back and read this, you know, yeah. five years from now or you know, something and really. And I, I generally pull this out about once every three or four years. Yeah. And I think that you guys would enjoy the the animated movie they did of it mm-hmm. because they edited out a lot of stuff that was in here. And it's mm-hmm. it's very focused on the center, which is how the the evil island right. in the in the book. That we you know, what's the deal them. with the island? Because I'm familiar with Marvel's Savage Lands, but is this is this a big or is this a small space? Or is it just an island or what? It's revealed later on that it's actually a creature the size of an island, 25 miles in diameter. Is it a giant turtle? Well, that's what they're fighting in the air that stuff keeps yeah. throwing, coming off of. Yeah. So that's it. Okay, that's the center. Yeah. And then, so like, again, cool, there's like cool. there's three pages where Aquaman is there. Right, for three pages. And I'm like, okay, was there going to be more Aquaman? And so that's the stuff that was throwing me off. <laughs> you know what this feels like? Do you guys ever play Mortal Kombat, like the old Mortal Kombat? And no. every once in a while, the guy would jump in and go, Woo-hee! and then disappear. <laughs> that's what no. this felt like. It felt like characters that I recognized would be like, Woo-hoo-hoo! and then disappear off in the side. You don't know that part? It's the best. No. I think it was like one of the developers or something. It was like I a terrible pixelated that. picture of himself, and he would jump off of the the right side of the screen with a shit-eating grin on his face and this sound effect that literally sounds like whoopee, oh, and nice. he would go whoop, whoop, and come back out like when you did like a particularly hard hit. Mm-hmm. It was, it was super that. ridiculous. It was like an old Easter egg. Good I stuff. I never played those side-by-side fighters. Never liked them. Really? Yeah. Mm, interesting. Nope. Yeah, this one I think is just a giant book full of all kinds of Easter eggs. Cook must have had a giant just like floor full of notes to try and connect all of these different people because it was such a it was so I mean I mean just what I guess what I'm saying is that like it was very masterful how everything weaves together yeah. and all and, and instead of it being and now these guys are hanging out together it was like references. You know, there were so many references. You know, you have a whole mm-hmm. section about this one guy, and then they mention him in a later one. And it's like, uh huh. It's like, it's very slick. I think the thing that made me want to reread this mm. was, you know, last week we talked about the new 52 Shazam. Sure. And I wanted to go back instead of where they destroyed all the continuity. And, instead and it's of the, all garbage, the garbage fire? Well, yeah. But, I'm, but I mean, besides how editorial it is. Sure, sure, sure. But to go back to where this was based on all the continuity and embraced all the prior comics that had came out before. The old, and built, old comics. The old, old comics and built on that versus the new 52 where it's like everything's fresh and new. Mm-hmm. And while that is fine and, you know, and, and like you guys said, okay, cool, we can jump on this because we don't need to have known all this history of Billy Batson to understand Shazam now. Right. It's something for the guys, the old guys like me, who have been reading DC comics for like? What does John Fultz think of this book? I don't know. I, John's not really a big DC guy, but I know he's a big Darwin Cook fan. My pal Rich Remigio, who was who's a huge DC fan, you know, we used to like rave about this. You know how much we loved it. Mm-hmm. You know, I know John's much more of a John Fultz is much more of a Marvel guy, but I know he's a big Darwin Cook fan. I don't know if I've talked to him about this, mm-hmm. but I think, like I said, you guys might really enjoy the animated movie that they made of this. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested in more Darwin Cook stuff, he's been over the last like three years, one a year adapting a Richard Stark Parker novel, hmm. you know, which is a criminal in the sixties. So it has that madman feel and like he either does it like in black and white or blue and white, you know, nice. kind of throughout been, but so then noir still, kind yeah, of it has that noir feel with the, this older, like animated style. That sounds really rad. Yeah, that sounds really rad. Mm-hmm. So the ne- I believe the next book in that one's coming out in a couple months. So I might that might be something we can revisit down the line. 
So again, I really enjoyed it. The guys being kind of noobs found it a little bit harder to get into, but mm-hmm. still enjoyable, but confusing for me. Yeah. If you if you actually know enough about the DC characters, I got a couple of nerd giggles when I saw Oliver Queen and Bruce Wayne yeah, yeah. at the big party. Right. And, it's not a good place to learn about the characters. It's a no. good place to relish in what you do know. Mm-hmm. But I do like some of the merchandise that came out of this. Oh, really? Downstairs, I have this cool Justice League set that's done in the style of Darwin Cook. Nice. It just came out. Yeah. Sweet. It's Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Green Lantern that looks just like... So Darwin Cook is really responsible for that DC animated look that I have in my head. Bruce Tim mainly, but Darwin Cook worked on it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bruce Tim created the style then? Pretty much, yeah. That was he's the one that's that's So would you say that Darwin Cook it. has a Bruce Tim like look to his stuff or Well, I think he has his own thing cuz mm-hmm. he was he was also an, an illustrator way long sure, sure, before. Sure, sure, right. Yeah. Okay. So I mean it wasn't like Cuz this doesn't look like exactly like the no. stuff, but it, it's clearly influenced by. Yeah. Cool. I agree. So next week Ooh, we are going week. to take it back to where we began. The first book that reviewed we reviewed on this all those many weeks ago when it was hot after the 4th of July mm. was Lazarus number 1 by uh, Greg Rucka. talk more Lazarus yeah. and the first trade came the out. first trade just came out today sweet and we said we would review it when the first trade came out so, With, so there's five out four out? issues four yeah right now four issues so i haven't personally read any of it since issue 1 i know that you guys have all been mm-hmm. keeping up on it so we will all be like kind of at a level playing field. Spoilers, it's awesome. <laughs> like really awesome. Yeah, it's, pretty, it's good. Freaking great. And yeah. then also, my favorite comic that came out today, and I never thought I would say that, and it was one of the best comics I've read in a long time, was called Afterlife with Archie. It is And a, you're saying it's going to start up as an ongoing Yeah, one. It's from, not just like, a, hey, it's Halloween. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. It is an actual real-life Racked with the real comics, not the kids' comics, in a zombie Archie story. So I recommended it to everybody. JP and Joe picked it up. I'm going to get Justin a copy of it. Yeah. And we'll be talking about that to see if I'm just crazy or if everybody else enjoyed now, it. Now, is it much Archie versus zombies or Archie as zombies? Well, spoilers. <gasps> The first one to become a zombie is Jughead. <laughs> <laughs> I'd also so the main of, cast is not safe. Kind of yes. makes sense. Oh, I'd also like to think that we would revisit the uncanny super villains uh, of Spider-Man. Superior foes? Superior yeah, foes when, of I think Spider-Man. when the first trade of that comes out, yeah, we'll do that. It's should, not quite, I mean, maybe just for like yeah, last yeah. week, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, I was thinking that since we wanted to talk pretty about it. Because that one was still, pretty funny. Still pretty good. Yeah. yeah. I've been following that. Right on. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. This one was actually really fun this week. Yeah, it's good. Well, we were all like... They're all really fun. Even when we were moping around at Pedro, it was fun. (laughs) I think sometimes a couple of us are kind of like, ugh, because we're tired. That's kind of where that the ball comes. It's it's the beauty of podcasting. Sometimes they're great, sometimes they're alright, but they're never bad. At least with us anyway, because we happen to be made purely from awesome. Yes. Created from it. Chiseled. Now, if the federal government ever restarts again, hopefully we can get a grant or subsidy. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, if you when you're listening to this podcast and you can't hear the other people around you, it's because your ears are full of awesome. That's what's happening. And they've been furloughed. (laughs) (laughs) Good night, everybody. Good night. night.
<laughs> There's a motorcycle going by.